please let's uh, read or let's open up to Ephesians 4. To read the verses from week 7. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the <laughs> Holy Word for morning. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. How about we have brothers read verse 2 and sisters read verse 3. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. Read again, Amen. brothers. Uh, again, let's read with our strong spirit. Amen. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love. Sisters, okay. Then, verse 12 through verse 15. The brothers, first. For the perfecting of the saints, unto the work of the ministry, unto the building up of the body of Christ. Sisters. Until we all arrive at the oneness of the faith, Amen. and of the full knowledge of the Son of God, Amen. and a full grown man, Amen. and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Turn to the outline and read the title together. Amen. Keeping the, the oneness of reality and arriving at the oneness of practicality. Amen. So, saints, we come now to this uh, message seven from the outline, which is in this conference that. The third meeting, the fourth meeting, the fourth meeting. Um, I think we all enjoyed this morning tremendously. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking afterward, saints, that there are all these terms in the Bible which we so often take for granted. Right. Like the word glory. <laughs> and yet when this term is opened up to us, we see, oh, exactly, Brother Doug. Wow, he just said, what riches in the Word. Amen. Um, this is, I mean, what we touched this morning, saints, is a good illustration of how we need to delve into the Word. Amen. We must not be satisfied just skating on the surface. <laughs> you know, today's Christianity is a... Uh, uh, it, 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 we can characterize it as, as being very superficial. 
You know, if you look at Christianity today, you have those who pursue the uh, exuberance, the extraordinary, um, the Pentecostal things, um, the power, so to speak, or the feelings, um, the high, you know, the, the, just, just the emotional high on one side. And the, on the other side, you have those who, who are so-called the fundamentals. <laughs> and they supposedly do get into the Word. And yet the Word is studied in such a superficial way. Especially, you know, these terms that we just see in the New Testament all the time. You know, for example, we last, uh, last night we talked about the term grace. If you ask most Christians today, what is grace? I tell you, 9.9 .9 out of 10 will tell you, <laughs> grace is just a merited favor. <laughs> Right? And yet, if you come to the New Testament, verse after verse, where the word grace appears, and you substitute unmerited favor, it makes no sense. <laughs> it absolutely makes no sense. <laughs> right? Uh, it, it, you know, I, I can tell you, and because I tried this myself, like what we enjoyed this morning about glory being the expression of God, I tell you, if you go to the New Testament, you just read verse after verse where the word glory appears and you, you substitute the expression of God. I tell you, it makes great sense. <laughs> it, op it really opens up the word. <laughs> I remember, you know, um, just, you know, two trainings ago in, in the uh, first Peter training, uh, I, you know, I, I did just that. You know, I look at that word glory, you know, in, in the book of Peter, and as the brothers had opened up to us, glory is just God expressed. And when you, you know, put this every time, you know, the word glory appears, I tell you, the word is opened up to you. Amen. The word is just opened up to you. The same it is with grace. When you see grace as Christ being enjoyed by us, and becoming everything to us. Amen. I tell you, the word is just open up to us. Amen. I tell you, saints, the riches which are in the Lord's recovery today, from the laboring of all the brothers that have gone before us, today, you know, we are under this, what, um, uh, what, what was the term? All inheriting ministry. <laughs> right? We are under this all inheriting ministry. All the saints have gone before us and all the riches have been collected and put together if we would just labor on the riches in the Word. Amen. Saints, you will see the Word would open up and our meetings, the meetings of the churches, you know, in the Lord's recovery would be so rich. Amen. We would not be this kind of uh, poor meeting, you know, where we just rehash the same old, you know, things. You know, nowadays, you, you, you have this practice among, you know, the pastors. You know, they, they have, you know, these books, like 52 sermons, you know, uh, for 52 weeks. And, and they just rehash the same thing. If you read the, 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 the literature being put out among the Christians today, where are the riches of Christ? Where are the riches of Christ? If anything, you know, things are just getting more and more superficial. More and more superficial. You look at 
Nowadays, the so-called mega churches and all these things that's going on, getting more and more away, you know, from the pure revelation with all the divine riches. So, saints, we have to labor in the Word. We have to labor in the riches in the Word as it has been opened up to us. You know, last Lord's Day, I tell you, I attended a meeting which was to me so impressive. I was in London, and I attended this Lord's Table meeting in one of the districts of the church in London. And this district consists of all um, saints from this one place in China, they, uh, from, from the Fujian province. They all come from this one place, uh, and it's a place which has exported a lot of people to the Western world to be laborers. So they are all restaurant workers. They, they are in two trades. They are either restaurant workers or they are in the construction business. They are, you know, I, I know they are all laborers. Why? Because when I shook the hands, every hand is like really rough. <laughs> you could tell the manual laborers. You know, I shook the hands every hand. <laughs> it's like rough. Well, uh, many of them are, you know, like, like illegal, you know, immigrants. They're, they're, they're there just working in the restaurants. Boy, when it came time to the prophesying, those saints spoke for one hour, nonstop. One after another, they were in the first... Uh, uh, message the first week of, of the, the crystallization study of Luke. And they spoke point after point, point after point. I knew the riches that came out of their mouths. I, I was like, this is really, really incongruent. <laughs> you have these, you know, highly educated laborers. And yet when they, they spoke, they really spoke as the oracle of God. <laughs> What came out of the mouth was just like all the riches from the word. One after another, and they left no point untouched. At the end of the meeting, there was one point that was not touched. And one brother stood up and said something to cover that one point. I, I was just like, I was astounded. But you, by the world's standard, you look at these people. I mean, they are, they are like the bottom. They are like the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder. <laughs> right? And yet, you know, these saints, they come from all over. Because when we, the meeting was over, you know, I went and took the bus with them, you know. And then I realized they all come, they came from all over. You know, like some had to travel for over an hour. To come to this meeting, you know, they were crammed into this one little apartment of, of, of one of the saints there. But what impressed me the most was they spoke. When they spoke, the riches of the word came out. Amen. So, saints, we have to labor in the word. Amen. We have to labor in the word. So that what comes out of our mouth would not just be some superficial, candy-coated, you know, some, some just... You know, feely, touchy, touchy, feely, you know, make people feel good, you know, that kind of things. 
fluff, <laughs> right? It must not be that kind of things. When people come to our meeting, they must say, wow, you know, the word of God. You know, when our brother opened up to us a matter of glory from Genesis to Revelation, then you see, you know, what we're touching here is something so deep, so profound, so rich, so much in the heart of God. And yet today, it's opened up by this divine revelation. I hope all of us can speak in this way. Don't consider this just the... Uh, function of some brothers or some sisters. In fact, all the saints should be able to prophesy. All the saints should be able to speak in the same way. If not in the big meetings, maybe in the home meetings. Or maybe when you're on the street preaching the gospel with some some new ones. You must preach the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. You know, I, I've been very touched by, by this point, you know, in Luke chapter 16 about this, there's this term about we having to be rich toward God. Right? You, you, you have that parable about the, the man, you know, he's, he's so rich and he says, oh, I'm going to build more barns because I'm so rich, I got so many things. And then the Lord said, you know, foolish man, you know, tonight your soul will be required of you. And the Lord said, foolish man. And the Lord said, so is everyone who is not rich toward God. I tell you, this is kind of riches that we need to accumulate. So that we could be rich toward God. And you cannot be rich toward God without the word. Without the word, you cannot be rich toward God. And the word is open up to us. You know, the ministry is really that can opener. <laughs> I believe all of us brothers who bear the burdens in sharing in, in these meetings can tell you and testify to you all that we have, we got from this ministry. Amen. And we're not ashamed to say this. <laughs> and this is what we speak. <laughs> because we know that in this ministry... There is the pure word. There is the pure word. And what is spoken here builds up the church. We've been under this ministry for decades now. And we have seen that those who are faithful to this speaking, they have life, they have building. The saints are healthy. The church is healthy. And there is a condition of the building up of the church. It is not a heap of ruin. It is not a collapse. If you deviate from this, you may have some sugar-coated things, you have some excitement, you know, at the end, it's a heap of ruin. You just tear down. There's no building up. But rather, if we stay in the Word, and what has been opened up to us by the ministry of the age. I tell you, saints, there is a healthy word here. It will bring all the saints into a healthy, what, life, the spiritual life, full of the impulse of the spiritual life. Amen. Then, then the saints are living, vital, 
full of the riches of Christ, they open their mouth, whoo, you know, things just come out. So I hope all of us, you know, many churches are represented here. And that the Lord is raising up even more churches here. You know, we heard this morning that there will be the church in Framingham. Amen. So we pray the church in Framingham will go on in this way. Amen. Go on in the riches in the word. Amen. Go on in the unsearchable riches of Christ. Amen. It's open up in the word so that your meetings would be such a rich exhibition of Christ. We would not be in the poor house, right? But we would be in the house, what? Full of the riches. Amen. 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 So now, uh, we come to, to this portion today in Ephesians chapter 4. And from the title, you see there are two, one, two mentions of the oneness here. One is the oneness of reality... And the other is the oneness of practicality. In, in these two mentions of the oneness, you, also, you see the two-sidedness of the divine truth. On one hand, oneness is a reality. And what is reality is accomplished by Christ in His work. And today is transmitted to us in the Spirit. That is the oneness of reality. And yet, on the other hand, we have to endeavor to enter into the oneness and to arrive at the oneness of practicality. <laughs> on one hand, Christ has accomplished it. On the other hand, we have to enter into it. <laughs> All the divine things have these two sides. Right? If Christ had not accomplished it, you have nothing to enter into. <laughs> And all your laboring would be in vain. But having accomplished it, Christ having accomplished it, we also need to labor to enter into it. It is that way with our salvation. Christ accomplished redemption. But we have to enter into it by believing. It is that way with a new man. On one hand, Ephesians tells us, that Christ created the new man on the cross in chapter 2. And yet on the other hand, in chapter 4, Ephesians tells us we have to put on the new man. <laughs> Has he not created it? <laughs> he did. <laughs> if he had not, you would have nothing to put on. <laughs> but he having created it, you have to put off the old man. And put on the new man. And be, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. You see the, how wonderful the divine truth is. There are always these two sides. On the one hand, indeed, Christ has what created this oneness. And this oneness is of the spirit. And the spirit is this oneness. So the spirit is the reality of oneness. So this oneness is oneness of reality. It is a reality. When we are, what? In the spirit, we're in the oneness. But then later on in chapter 4, we're admonished, what? To arrive at the oneness of something, 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 right? So 
On one hand, the spirit is a reality. On the other hand, we all have to arrive at the oneness of practicality. So that's what this message is about. Um, First, it tells us that this oneness of reality is the oneness of the spirit. To endeavor to keep the oneness of the spirit, the oneness of spirit in verse 3, it really means the oneness is the spirit. (laughs) If you don't have the spirit, you have no oneness. The oneness is the spirit. And the spirit is the reality of the oneness. So we have this one point here that any action apart from the Spirit is divisive. Whenever we act apart from the Spirit, we are divisive and we do not keep the oneness. Because the Spirit is the oneness and the oneness is the Spirit. I hope we all see the saints that the Spirit or the oneness is the Spirit. The oneness of the Spirit really means that oneness is, is the Spirit. <laughs> Apart from the Spirit, we're all divisive. <laughs> Haven't we experienced this, Jim? Right? If we are not in the Spirit, we are apart from the Spirit, we don't live and walk in the Spirit, there is no way that there could be oneness in the church. <laughs> we would be arguing, bickering. Um, We have all kinds of bad feelings (laughs) towards one another or ill feelings, you know, toward one another. Because the reality of the oneness is the Spirit. (laughs) So you have to care for the Spirit. You have to care only for the Spirit. So we have this point, as long as we love the Lord Jesus and embrace Him, we keep the oneness of the Spirit, for oneness is the person of Christ as the life-giving Spirit. <laughs> no person who does not love the Lord, who does not care for the Lord, could keep the oneness. I, I tell you, these, saints, uh, these, these days, saints, uh, there is a real um, danger that we just become... Um, we, we, we become kind, kind of um, uh, professionals. We know how to carry on in the church life. <laughs> you know, we know what we're supposed to do. <laughs> and yet we lost that love for the Lord. Right? That oneness with the Spirit. So we just come together, even if we, have, we carry on with no problem, so to speak, We are not in the reality of the oneness of the Spirit. That's why, saints, when we come together, we have to pray. The best thing when we come together is to pray. Because praying conducts us into the Spirit. Wherever we start, we may come together with the saints fully in the mind. That's okay. You start praying from the mind and you end up being in the Spirit. I tell you, this is the significance of the golden incense altar 
being right there at the threshold between the holy place and the holy of holies. <laughs> it is right there at the threshold. <laughs> it's somewhere in between. <laughs> so to speak, you can access it from both sides. <laughs> You're in, in your soul, in your mind, in your emotion, in your feelings, whatever. That's okay. Start praying. Come to the incense altar to pray. And by praying, you pray yourself into the Holy of Holies. It is so important, saints, when we come together, that we always pray. It is not a formality. This is not a kind of program, a a formality, that we come together, we, let us pray. (laughs) No, because when we come together, we have this sense, we have to be in the Spirit. We have to get into the Spirit with the saints. Amen. You just spontaneously pray. Um, you know, when we were together with Brother Lee in preparing for the meetings, pre- you know, before the meetings, he would always encourage us to pray. Amen. You know, we would be praying together in the, in, in, in the room, you know, downstairs, um, and then he would all encourage us. Go, go up to the meeting and pray. Oftentimes, you, you know, when we go up to the meeting, pray. That's what we should do in the, in the, in, in the meeting, is to pray. Why? Not a formality, but pray to get into the Spirit. Amen. <laughs> pray so that the whole meeting is brought into the Spirit. Amen. If we don't pray... We can so easily still be wandering in the soul. (laughs) Those of you who are students, you come here, your mind is still wandering, you know, in your differential equations. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever problem set, you know, you have to turn in. And you're just wandering, you know. You worry about, oh, um the homework and, and, and the project. And, and, you know, we all have our situations. Or if you're a mother, you worry about, you know, your child at home being watched by someone. <laughs> or if you're, uh, you're a working one, you worry about, oh, you know, the amount of work that you have, you know, and your boss and, and, and all this and... We all come to the meeting oftentimes this way, right? right. So we have to pray. Amen. And the saints have, by praying, we help one another to get into the Spirit. Amen. There's no better way to help others than to pray with Him. Amen. You just start praying. And even that one that is in the mind, he gets what? Conducted into the Spirit. By your praying. So we have to pray all the time. We have to pray. We have to pray so that we can touch the Spirit. We can be in the Spirit. And when we're in the Spirit, you know, we just care for the Lord. We love the Lord. And we're in the reality of the oneness. So I hope we all would take care of this, saints, huh? Whenever we come together, pray. Open up your mouth to pray. Take the lead to pray. Don't wait for certain ones to, to, 
to, to all the so-called leading ones to start the meeting, you just start to pray. And you will see the Lord's presence will be very richly with you. Okay, now uh, I want to go on to, to, to the point B, C, and D. And these points are somewhat related. You know, in point B, it talks about if we would keep the oneness of the Spirit, we must have a proper humanity. A humanity with lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering, and a humanity that bears others in love. Now listen to this next point. The fact that the transformed human virtues in verse 2 are mentioned before the oneness of the Spirit in verse 3 indicates that we must have these virtues in order to keep the oneness of the Spirit. This is a very striking point. Do you ever notice that? In verse 2 it says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love. And then in verse 3 it says, Being diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the uniting bond of peace. The fact that these human virtues are mentioned in verse 2 prior to the mentioning of the keeping of the oneness in verse 3 tells us that these human virtues are imperative, are necessary for the keeping of the oneness. They are very important. The more we are transformed, the more the humanity of Jesus we have. And by having the humanity of the resurrected Christ, we spontaneously have the virtues required to keep the oneness of the Spirit. These human virtues are very important for the keeping of the oneness. And these human virtues are what? You know, it talks about lowliness and meekness. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, you see there that the Lord, when He was on the earth, He said that, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So the meekness and the lowliness in Ephesians chapter 2 refers to the Lord's meekness and lowliness in Matthew chapter 11. In other words, our humanity should be the humanity of Jesus. Now, um, if you go on to the next point, it talks about the boards in the tabernacle as an illustration. The boards in the tabernacle are made of acacia wood being overlaid with gold. The other piece of furniture in the tabernacle that is made of wood overlaid with gold is the ark, the ark of testimony. It's also made with acacia wood overlaid with gold. You know, the fact that the boards are also made with wood overlaid with gold tells us that the church is to be the same as Christ. The ark of testimony in typology is a type of Christ as God's testimony. 
It is made of wood, acacia wood, overlaid with gold. And the boards, in typology, refers to the church, the building of the church. And that must also be acacia wood overlaid with gold. So how is the church built? The church is built by being an enlargement of Christ. Just as Christ is acacia wood overlaid with gold, the church must also be acacia wood overlaid with gold. That is how the church is built. The church can only be built as an enlargement of Christ. And Christ is of two natures. With the divine nature and the human nature. Typified by the gold and the acacia wood. This is um, a very particular kind of wood. And the church must be made with the same wood. <laughs> so Christ is God. Right? He's complete in his deity. But he is also man. Who is perfect in his humanity. Amen. This is our Christ. <laughs> our Christ is not just go. Our Christ is a acacia wood overlaid with gold. Amen. Because our Christ is God incarnate. He is the word become flesh. He is God mingled with man. That is our Christ. And that is what the church must be. The church is also of two natures, of divinity and of humanity. But saints, not of our fallen humanity. It is not, um, it is not any other kind of wood. It must be acacia wood. And acacia wood is the wood that the ark is made. You cannot make the boards of pine. <laughs> Especially pine with the knots. <laughs> right? It must be made with the same wood with which the Ark of Testimony is made. In other words, the church must be built with the humanity of Christ, mingled with the divinity. That is how the church is built. If we are to have the church life, saints, we must first have the humanity of Jesus. For the keeping of the oneness, we must have the virtue, the human virtues, which come from the humanity of Jesus. As he was lowly and meek, so we are lowly and meek. <laughs> Lowliness means what? Means that you are um, not in a high um, condition. <laughs> You, 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 you're, you're happy, you know, to stay in a low um, estate, right? Um, you, you know, the, the, 
In, in the church life, we, we must have this virtue. You know, you may be a um, um, uh, medical doctor, this and that. You know, but in the church life, don't expect everyone to call you Dr. So-and-so. <laughs> don't, don't, be, uh, don't be disappointed. Don't be disappointed or offended if people just call you, hey, instead of Dr. Becker, hey, Dave. <laughs> if you have any expectation, oh, he better know I'm doctor. I'm doctor so-and-so. Why don't you address me doctor so-and-so? <laughs> well, that means you're not lowly of heart. Huh? You're, not, you're not happy to, to remain in the lower state. You expect to be elevated. You expect to be put on the pedestal. Or among you students, you know, you may go to MIT, but don't expect everyone to um, adore you <laughs> because you're a student at such a, a prestigious ed educational institution. And when you meet some brother who goes to junior college, <laughs> you shouldn't have any kind of sense of difference. You know? Or you may meet another brother who's not even educated. <laughs> I see the beauty of the church. I mean, I, I really enjoy seeing, you know, because I've come to the church in, in Cambridge uh, uh, from time to time, and I really enjoy, you know, in the meeting, you have some, you know, who are, you know, whiz kids, you know, that go to Harvard, MIT. You also have some saints, you know, who are not so educated, and yet, when they speak, when they function together, you have the same Christ being expressed. To, to me, you know, coming to the church, the meetings in the church in Cambridge, this is one of the aspects that I really, really enjoy. You know, I enjoy not only, you know, those, the speaking from those brothers, you know, who are so educated, but you also have ones who are just, hey, regular working people. And yet, we speak the same Christ. <laughs> and we minister Christ one to another. Whatever estate that we're in, we must not consider ourselves as something special. We must not consider ourselves as something higher than others. <laughs> we are just a brother. <laughs> we're just a brother. <laughs> we're no different. <laughs> We come before the Lord. We're just brothers. <laughs> the ones who go to the best schools have no monopoly on the riches in the world. <laughs> in fact, rather sometimes they're too much in the mind. <laughs> and they come to the word, you know, not exercising the spirit. We have to be lowly. Amen. And we have to be meek. <laughs> what, what does it mean to be meek? It means, you know, don't fight for yourself. <laughs> don't, don't fight for your, what you regard to be your just 
due. <laughs> what is due you? <laughs> don't, don't, don't fight for things. <laughs> right? Whatever the Lord arranges, whatever the Lord arranges, just praise the Lord. <laughs> we have to be as the Lord is, lowly and meek. Right? These human virtues are very important for the keeping of the oneness. The boards, saints, are able to stand up not because of the gold, but because of the wood. The basic element in, in the standing of the boards is the wood. That is why, you know, I'm so burdened today to say something about the humanity of Jesus. In the spirit that we enjoy today is the humanity of Jesus. This perfect human living that the Lord lived today is in the spirit to be dispensed into us. When we consider the work of Christ, we usually talk about incarnation, <laughs> crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, right? But there is one piece that we must not forget, and that is human living. <laughs> the work of Christ, there is incarnation, there is also human living. Before crucifixion, there's 33 and a half years of human living. So saints, we just went through the book of Luke in, in the last training. What does the book of Luke tell us? It tells us about the human, this man Jesus. This man's savior. And no book like the book of Luke tells us what kind of man he was. And what kind of humanity he had. That humanity is part of the work of Christ. And today, all the person and work of Christ are in the spirit. Amen. So when we feed on the spirit... We not only feed on divinity, we also feed on the humanity of Jesus. Amen. When we feed on the Spirit, we feed on His crucifixion. We feed on His resurrection. We feed on God mingled with man in His incarnation. But we also feed on His human living. That humanity that He had lived. When he was on the earth. What a man. <laughs> that humanity of Jesus. Saints. Is a main factor. Of the standing boards. Um, you know the church. You know sometimes go through. Storms. Go through storms. 
And through these storms, you know, I, I, I've seen how much the outcome of a person depends on his humanity. For example, some brothers are just easily riled up. They just hear something and immediately they, you know, just uh, take sides and <laughs> condemn this and, you know, uh, make trouble or, 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 or you know, uh, want, want to uh, um, find um, uh, explanation for, for this and that. If that's a humanity of that brother, he is all too easy to be carried away by these storms. It's a matter of his humanity. If that humanity is not so fine, not so balanced, he can easily just get carried away. Or some brothers, his humanity is just so weak. When it comes time to take a stand for the Lord's testimony, well, I don't want to offend anyone. Uh, and they just waffle. Oh, I try to please everybody. Well, there are times that you have to take a stand for the Lord's testimony. And these ones just wouldn't do it. I tell you, these are defects in the humanity. These are shortage of the humanity of Jesus. The board can stand, the boards can stand mainly because of the acacia wood. And in the spirit today is the humanity of Jesus. Amen. I hope we all would see this. In fact, the spirit is the, today the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Jesus is the name that refers to his humanity. For us to say the spirit of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus Christ, we speak of the spirit which has both his divinity and his humanity. So we have here... Uh, also, in, in one of the points here about the bar, you know, the boards have to have these rings, and the rings have to have the bar go through them. And that bar is what keeps the boards one. Right? The boards are joined together because of that bar. And that bar is a type of the spirit. But that bar is also made of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Amen. That bar is not made only of gold. This is what I meant last night when I said that the anointing is not just olive oil. It is olive oil with all these spices compounded into it. In this picture, or in this typology, that bar 
which is the uniting bond of peace. That is acacia wood overlaid with gold. It is the spirit with both the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. You know, saints, one of the biggest um, revelations I, I, I felt that was opened up to the recovery is this point. To see that in the, that the, in the spirit is, is both divinity and humanity. Amen. That this is the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Now, you, 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 you remember, you know, Bradley talked to us about uh, the writing of Andrew Murray. In that book he, he wrote called The Spirit of Christ. Uh, I, I, I just read that again, you know, and it's quoted in this book. Christ is the reality. I just read that again, and, and I, I would say, saints, what he wrote there is so monumental in God's recovery of the opening up of the truth to his people. This passage that Andrew Murray wrote is earth-shattering. It is earth-shattering. Which I'd like to read to you because in this book, you know, Brother Lee quoted this whole passage. Um, what he saw here, I tell you, so much of what we are speaking today in the Lord's recovery is based on what was opened up here. Maybe in a seminal way, but probably never was this seen in the history by any of God's people until this writing, which was then developed, you know, by the brothers. And today, so much of what we enjoy, of what I would call the theology in the Lord's recovery, comes from this one passage. Let me read this to you. Uh, we know how the Son, who had from eternity been with the Father, entered upon a new stage of existence when he became flesh. When he returned to heaven, he was still the same, only begotten Son of God, and yet not altogether the same. For he was now also the Son of Man, the first begotten from the dead, clothed with the glorified humanity which he had perfected and sanctified for himself. And just so the Spirit of God, and just so the Spirit of God as poured out at Pentecost was indeed something new. When poured out at Pentecost, he came as the Spirit of the glorified Jesus, the Spirit of the incarnate, crucified, and exalted Christ, the bearer and communicator to us, not of the life of God as such, but of that life as it had been interwoven into human nature in the person of Christ Jesus. 
This is just astounding. Christ came not only to deliver man from the law and its curse, but to bring human nature itself again into the fellowship of the divine life, to make us partakers of the divine nature. He could do this not by an exercise of divine power on man, but only in the path of a free, moral, and most real human development. In his own person, having become flesh, he had to sanctify the flesh. Then from his nature, as it was glorified in the resurrection and ascension, his spirit came forth as the spirit of his human life, glorified into the union with the divine, to make us partakers of all that he had personally wrought out and acquired of himself and his glorified life. In virtue of his atonement, man now had the right entitled to the fullness of the, divine, of the divine spirit and to his dwelling as never before. And in virtue of his having perfected in himself a new holy human nature on our behalf, he could now communicate what previously had no existence, a life at once human and divine. Amen. Christ had entered with our human nature into our flesh, into the holiest of all. There, in our place, and on our behalf as man and the head of man, he was admitted into the full glory of the divine, and his human nature constituted the receptacle and the dispenser of the divine spirit. His human nature constituted the receptacle and the dispenser of the divine spirit. And the Holy Spirit could come down as the spirit of the God-man. Most really the spirit of God, and yet as truly the spirit of man. He could come down as the spirit of the glorified Jesus to be in each one who believes in Jesus, the spirit of his personal life, and his personal presence, and at the same time, the spirit of the personal life of the believer. Just as in Jesus, the perfect union of God and man had been effected and finally completed when he sat down upon the throne, and he so entered on a new stage of existence, a glory hitherto unknown, so too now a new era has commenced in the life and work of the Spirit. He can now come down to witness of the perfect union of the divine and the human, and in becoming our life to make us partakers of it. There is now the Spirit of the glorified Jesus. He has poured him forth. We have received him to stream into us, to stream through us, and to stream forth from us in rivers of blessing. I think this is truly earth-shattering for someone to see. You know, what Christ has done is to bring divinity into humanity and to sanctify this humanity and in resurrection for this humanity to be born a son of God and for the humanity to be uplifted into divinity so that the two can indeed be joined together. And as he was such a God-man, today 
The Spirit communicates the life of this God-man to us, that we too could be the God-man. We too could be God-man living this God-man life. That is why the church could be the propagation, the enlargement, the increase of Christ. If he was not both God and man, the church could never be his enlargement. He was the man that brought divinity into humanity and uplifted humanity into divinity. Today, saints, that is the life of the church. We are to live this life. And in this spirit of Jesus, there is divinity and there is humanity. So we too could be acacia wood overlaid with gold. Just as the Ark of the Testimony is acacia wood overlaid with gold. Our humanity is fallen, is short, is inadequate for fulfilling God's purpose. But thank the Lord that today in the spirit is the humanity of Jesus. Amen. So as we receive the spirit, we receive not only the gold, but we also receive the acacia wood. On one hand, the divine nature is dispensed into us as we become partakers of the divine nature. On the other hand, the humanity of Jesus is also dispensed into us. And in that dispensing of the humanity of Jesus, in the spirit of Jesus Christ, to the believers, our humanity is uplifted, is transformed, is strengthened, our virtues are strengthened and uplifted, so that we can also live the life of the humanity of Jesus. Amen. For the keeping of the oneness, for the building up of the church, saints, we need the acacia wood overlaid with gold. Amen. I hope you all would see this. I don't know that whether this is um, uh, too much, huh? But I tell you, this is what the Holy Word tells us. The structure of the whole divine revelation is the triune God. And it reveals to us God, who is triune. It reveals to us God becoming flesh. And what the triune God has wrought in his economy. First to be to produce this God man as the prototype. And that this God man in his death and resurrection becoming the life giving spirit. So that this divine human life could be dispensed into the believers. That we could become his enlargement, his increase. And that is the church. This is what the divine revelation shows us. Now, saints, you may say, oh, you know, why bother with all this, you know, splitting the hair? (laughs) You know, uh, don't think this. 
Don't say this. Don't say this. If, if you do not get into the Word, your experience of Christ will be very poor. If we just come here and tell you some sugar-coated things, you know, I'm afraid you'll leave here and your experience of Christ will be very impoverished. We tell you these things, you may sit here and think, oh boy, you know, I don't know what that means. Doesn't matter. The spirit of reality will guide you into the reality. I think we who speak the word of God must have this faith that what we're speaking is the divine revelation. And this is what God wants man to know. And this is what God wants man to see. And it is by this that his economy will be carried out. I have the full confidence, saints, if you remain in the word as open up to us by this ministry, I tell you, your experience of Christ will be so rich. I recommend to you, you know, this book. Christ as the reality. I recommend to you this this book. You, You have to get into the books, saints. You have to get into the books. You have to get into the and, and that is what we we're doing, you know, all the time with with the training, with the conferences. You know, we are taking, you know, what is spoken in the ministry and the word as it as it has been opened up, you know, and just speaking this and speaking this. And the more we speak this, the more the riches are opened up to us. Amen. You remember uh, this sister uh, uh, Felisa, who asked Brother Lee, you know, um, not long before Brother Lee went, oh, before Brother Lee went to be with the Lord, ah, Brother Lee, you know, if you're not around, what are we going to do? <laughs> Brother Lee said, don't worry, it's all in the books. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what he said, you know, it's all in the books. <laughs> you have to get into the books. Amen. If you don't read the books... You are uneducated. You, you're like an illiterate. You're, you're uneducated. You have to get into the books. I hope, saints, you know that in your meetings, in your home meetings, you know, in your personal life, you will get into the books. And you will see, you know, all oh, the riches. And all that has been opened up will become your experience. Will enrich your experience of Christ. Let me give you one example. Um, Well, we know that we're sinful. And we need to come to the Lord by His blood. Right? If you ask many Christians today, well, um, what do you, how do you enjoy you know, coming to the Lord by His blood? I, I'm not sure they even know this. <laughs> they may say, oh, just as I am, without one plea. <laughs> you know, oh, Lamb of God, I come, I come. Well, why, why is it that you could come? Because He's the Lamb of God. Now, if you didn't know the riches 
of the Lamb of God. Then to you, you know, it's just a song, just as I am, you know, without one plea, you know, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. But if you see the Lamb of God, oh, then your enjoyment of coming to the Lord by His blood is so much more enriched. Maybe you had read, oh, Exodus. Then you know something about the Lamb. You know something about, you know, Pharaoh. You know something about Egypt. You know something about the bondage. And you know something about God's judgment. And then you know the lamb and the blood. And the blood being on the doorpost. And, and, the, and, the, and the judgment just pass, pass over you. You know the lamb is the Passover. And you know the lamb is for you to eat. So not only is there the judicial redemption, there is the organic salvation. By eating this lamb, you have the strength to get out of Egypt. And you must eat this lamb. What? With the bitter herbs. And you must eat it with unleavened bread. Now you're, do you just think, how much richer is your enjoyment of the Lamb of God? It is not just, oh Lamb of God, I come, I come. This is the poverty among the Christians today. I don't say, you know, that just by knowing that much that you cannot come to the Lord by taking Him as the Lamb of God. But that enjoyment is so meager. It's so meager. You have to get into, oh, the riches. And then your enjoyment of just coming to the Lord by taking His blood is so much richer. He is the Lamb of God to you is so much richer. Right? Point after point, brothers, sisters, we have to be wrought with the riches of the Word. As it has been opened up to us, we can enjoy just the oneness, the matter of the oneness, in a very superficial way. You know, just, oh, oh, we're one, hallelujah, we're one. <laughs> hallelujah, you know. But look, I mean, message after message. You have to enjoy the oneness from Deuteronomy chapter 12. <laughs> you have to enjoy the oneness in Psalm 33. <laughs> Right? You have to enjoy the oneness in John 17. And you have to enjoy the oneness in Ephesians 4. How much more rich, how much more richer is your enjoyment? And how much higher and richer would be the testimony of the church if all the saints would enjoy the Lord this way? Right. Okay. So, let me get on. Um, Now, Ephesians 2, I'm reading from D now, indicates the need for transformation because of uh, the human, our human nature needs to be transformed, right? By the addition of the humanity of Jesus to transform us. We, 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 we need that, that transformation. And then in verse 3, indicates the need of the cross. Why? Because it says, 
that we are to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the uniting bond of peace. Where is peace? <laughs> According to the book of Ephesians, peace is created by the cross and at the cross. <laughs> right? If you go to chapter 2, peace comes from the cross. Tearing down the middle wall of partition. Tearing down all these, what, ordinances contained in the commandments. These ritualistic commandments. What separates the Jewish believers from the Gentile believers. All of that are now at the cross. So, peace comes from the cross. <laughs> when you and I are crossed out, there's perfect peace. <laughs> right? In the church life, when we are crossed out, we're both crossed out, we're perfect peace. <laughs> All the tension comes from the lack of the cross. <laughs> we don't take the cross... We just, at best, have tension, at worst, have division. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, we have discord. <laughs> right? Um, so we have to take the cross. Ephesians tells us we need transformation. Ephesians, uh, I mean, Ephesians 4.2 tells us we need transformation. Ephesians 4.3 tells us we need the cross. On the cross, Christ made peace for his body. This peace should bind us together and thus become the uniting bond. <laughs> right? The cross is what unites us. The peace that is created by the cross, that becomes the bond to unite us. So the uniting bond of peace is actually the working of the cross. In order to have the uniting bond of peace, we need to be crossed out. Praise the Lord! <laughs> Praise the Lord, we're crossed out. Praise the Lord, right? Saints, we just praise the Lord that we can be crossed out in Amen. the church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We don't want ourselves to, 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 to be dragged into the church life. Right? Praise the Lord. Okay. The best way to keep the oneness of reality is to go on, to proceed towards the oneness of practicality. So if we are to go on, saints you will see that um, um, in verse 13 it says, until we all arrive at the oneness of the faith and of the full knowledge of the Son of God, at a full-grown man, at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it says, until we arrive, that means that between the oneness of reality and the oneness of practicality, there is a distance, a gap. That we all have to travel until we all arrive. <laughs> we have to travel this distance to bring us from the oneness of reality or the oneness of the spirit to the oneness of practicality. And this oneness of practicality is the oneness of the faith. And here the faith, saints, is, does not refer to our act of believing, but to what we believe, the things that we believe. The oneness of practicality is the oneness of the faith. If we insist on anything other than the faith, 
we will damage the oneness. And what is the faith? What, what, what is the faith? The faith is what we need to believe in for our salvation. So the faith includes the Bible, is the Word of God. We believe this. Every Christian has to believe this. The Bible is the Word of God. We believe that God is one, God is unique, and yet He's triune. Right? We believe in the triune God. And we believe in the person and the work of Christ. That He is God, and yet He is man. He is completely God and He's perfectly man. He's the complete God and the perfect man, I should say. And the work that He has accomplished for us in His incarnation, in His human living, in His crucifixion, in His resurrection, and in His ascension, and that He will even come again. Amen. He will come back to, the, to be the bridegroom of the church. We believe this is the work of Christ. And that by believing, we can be saved. Right? Amen. You know, these are the things of the faith. And we, we, we believe the church consists of all the believers who are the members of the body of Christ. No, these are the things of the faith. So, saints, when we receive other believers, we should not insist on anything other than this. And, and, and believers may differ in their views about some other doctrines, doctrinal things, and not things of the faith. Um, many believers, you know, they take some doctrinal things and they just latch onto that like, like a little kid would latch onto a toy. <laughs> you know, whatever is the favorite toy, uh, if you try to take it away from the kid, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like he'll fight with you. <laughs> Well, many Christians, you know, um, uh, behave themselves this way. They take something and they just take that, they just latch onto it. And they, that becomes the lens through which they see everything. And I'm afraid oftentimes this is a very colored lens. Huh? <laughs> but we must not take any of these doctrinal things and make that a criterion for receiving the other believers. Right. We only insist on the faith. Right. If you believe in Christ, you are a brother in Christ. <laughs> right? We must be reduced and simplified in our coming to the oneness, the oneness of the faith, and then it is also the oneness of the full knowledge of the Son of God. The term the Son of God refers to Christ becoming life to man. So the full knowledge of the Son of God is the full apprehension 
of what Christ is for our experience. I believe there is a, um, yeah, a point here. The full knowledge of the Son of God is the apprehension of the revelation concerning the Son of God for our experience. The oneness of the faith altogether depends on the full knowledge of the Son of God. Only when we take Christ as the center and we focus on Him can we arrive at the oneness of the faith. For only in the Son of God can our faith be one. So, saints, the point here is that we all have to arrive at the full knowledge of the Son of God. Amen. We have to all the time be progressing in our apprehension of the revelation of the Son of God. Amen. The more you have this progress in your apprehension of the revelation of the Son of God, the richer will be your experience of Christ. The more we experience Christ, the more we just drop all the things that divide us. Amen. In fact, division comes because of our shortage of Christ. If we don't see, you know, Christ, and we don't have the, the, the apprehension of the revelation of Christ, I tell you, it's so easy for us to be divided. So, the more we see Christ, the more we experience Christ, the more we have Christ, the more it is impossible for us to be divided. Amen. Everyone who has truly seen the Son of God will not hold on to his opinion and in, or insist on anything. <laughs> We just won't. We just won't. All we insist on is enjoying Christ. You really see, saints, in the church life, Christ is versus everything. Christ not only is versus religion, Christ is versus you. Christ is versus your opinion. Right? Christ is versus your preference. Your disposition. Christ is versus all these things. So you endeavor to see Christ, to apprehend more of the revelation of Christ. And this is what the ministry does for you, is to open up and to help you to come to the full knowledge of the Son of God. Amen. That is why the ministry produces the oneness. <laughs> because the, oneness, uh, the ministry helped you to come to the full knowledge of the Son of God. Amen. And you just drop everything. You only care for Christ. And we only exalt Christ. So the oneness is never an issue. If we exalt something else other than Christ, surely we will have problem. <laughs> right? And then, uh, let me go on to point G. In order to arrive at the oneness of practicality, we need to be perfected by the gifts unto the work of the New Testament ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts perfect the saints until they arrive at the oneness of the faith and of the full knowledge of the Son of God. Amen. As I, you know, this is what the ministry does. <laughs> it perfects us. Amen. <laughs> right? It perfects us. Amen. And thank the Lord, you know, in the church life, there are some 
mature saints who are also there all the time perfecting the saints. <laughs> you know, I know, um, for example, uh, some of the serving ones. See, well, may, many of you know, you know, my youngest son, um, Evan, you know, who used to be here when he was <laughs> a, a kid. Um, you know, I know over the last four years that he was in college, he was perfected. He was perfected by some brothers who were serving on the campus there. <coughs> so today, you know, he has a heart, you know, to go to the full-time training. Why? Because he was perfected by some of these brothers. You know, I tell you, there was one brother, and this brother is, uh, he's a lawyer. He's very busy, I'm sure. You know, he would call up Evan to have morning revival. Amen. I, I'm sure, you know, you know, it's not like he's full you know, full-time serving one, you know, that, that's what he does. <laughs> He's a lawyer. <laughs> He's a job. And yet he would call up this young brother, <laughs> you know, this college kid, <laughs> to pray with him, to have morning revival. And he was, he was perfected. I so treasure, you know, these saints you know, which the Lord has given. These are the real gifts in the body. <laughs> they are perfecting the saints. <laughs> they're, they're, they're nourishing, they're cherishing the saints, they're shepherding the saints, they're bringing them into the enjoyment of Christ. Amen. These are the real gifts. And then, finally, we have to hold to truth in love that we may grow, grow up into the head in all things. Um, saints, we have to hold to the reality, right? We have to hold to this truth in love so that we can grow up into Christ the head in all things. This brother, I think, one time said to us, you know, you need to grow up into Christ in thing after thing. <laughs> you need to grow up, grow up into Christ in how you talk to the brothers. You need to grow up into Christ in how you drive. You need to grow up into Christ in how you dress. You need to grow up into Christ in how you spend your time. Thing after thing, we need to grow up into Christ, who is the head. So that he heads up, heads us up in all these items in our living. So, saints, I, I think... Um, I'll stop here, um, but I hope I've given you a picture here, saints, that we all have to endeavor, right, to, to, to endeavor to keep the oneness of the Spirit, which means we have to stay on the Spirit and just be in the Spirit because the Spirit is the oneness. And at the same time, we have to arrive. We have to travel and journey forward <laughs> and make progress. And for this, you know, we need to be a cashew wood overlaid with gold. Amen. So may the Lord really overlay us huh, and transform us and give us His humanity Amen. that we can bear the testimony of gold. Amen. Amen.